You're in the Waterloop. Welcome to Waterloop, a podcast featuring conversations about water solutions. 2022 is the 50th anniversary of the Clean Water Act. It's a complicated law to understand and to tap into. For this episode, I talked to Catherine Baer of the River Network and Matt Rhoda of Healthy Gulf about the Clean Water Act Owner's Manual. I had a lot of questions about this tool. How does it help people to understand the law? How does it help people to use the Clean Water Act to reduce pollution? And how is the manual updated to address current issues like climate change and environmental justice that really weren't at the forefront 50 years ago when the Clean Water Act was passed? Here's our conversation. Waterloop, Waterloop, Waterloop. Welcome to Waterloop, uh, an episode released on the 50th anniversary of the Clean Water Act, October 18th, 2022. Uh, joined for this conversation by Catherine Baer. She is Vice President of River Programs at River Network. Catherine, good to see you. Great to be here. And by Matt Rhoda. He is Senior Policy Director at Healthy Golf. And down, he's based down in New Orleans. Matt, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. Uh, awesome to be here on the 50th anniversary of the Clean Water Act. Certainly a, a milestone uh, for that landmark law. Uh, the thing we're going to talk about today, I, I think this is so cool. I love the name. It is the Clean Water Act Owner's Manual. Makes me think of like that big owner's manual that I keep in the glove box in my car, right? And I pull it out when I need to figure out how to get the spare tire or change a light bulb. Um, it's a it's a perfect name. Uh, what is this? What is this for for folks? Yeah. So thanks for having us. The Clean Water Act Owner's Manual is um, a resource that River Network created about over twenty years ago now, and it's a transformational tool that we've used to. Um, support organizations and groups to learn how to use the Clean Water Act all around the country for cleaner water and healthier communities. And I think, Travis, uh, what you how you described it as sort of a, a manual, that's why we named it that, is very much a how-to guide. So it's something that people can use to learn different parts of the law, how to apply it in their communities at the state level, understand the, the differences between sort of the federal, state, and local pieces of it. And um, it's something that we have used to train advocates all around the country. We've reached thousands of people over the last 20 plus years. So there's now this whole generation of um, people across the country who know how and are applying this, this tool in their, in their communities for local impact. And I think the title also, as you mentioned, owner's manual, we really feel like that reflects that this law is really belongs to all of us and we all need to be able to own it understand it and apply it um, in ways that are really beneficial for, for our streams, our rivers, our lakes, and our communities. Mm. Yeah, you know, the Clean Water Act is was drafted by Congress and lawyers. And so it's it's technical. And if you try to just pull that thing off a shelf and read it, uh, it'll take some, some hard studying and focus and some special understanding, I think. So the idea is like, hey, this is a bit of a, a translation, right? Kind of bringing the language down a little bit and explaining what the different pieces are. Is, is, is I know some of that's in there. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think, you know, with all of our work at River Network, we think about how do we make, how do you translate and make some of these laws, these policies that are important for all of us really accessible? Mm. Um, and that means sort of translating, picking out the important parts, presenting them in a manner that 
you can go through and sort of take one piece of it and use it, come back, look at another one. And so the manual really covers all the key programs that are part of the Clean Water Act, distills them down, includes things like checklists, um, ways to approach and sort of problem solving. And I would say for me, just, you know, when I started my work as an advocate at the local level in Georgia, you know, many years ago, this Clean Water Act owner ma owner's manual was on my desk all the time. Quite honestly, we'd use it, and I went to some trainings that River Network provided at the time, which really helped me in my understanding of the advocacy and how I could apply this in my work. Um, and honestly, it's still on my desk today. Uh, <laughs> it's printed form, and I think you'll hear a lot of people say that it's just been a, such a valuable asset for people in trying to, like, you know, even even law professors, sometimes we've heard, you know, hey, I, I use this with my students because they're learning the law and case law, but actually being able to be like, hey, how do you apply this? What does this mean on the ground is a really um, important, really valuable um, thing, piece that this, this manual serves. Hmm. I kind of I got ahead of myself. One of my questions was, why does a resource like this need to exist? Um, and so obviously to help interpret this big wonky Clean Water Act, but anything else to add to that? You know, Any other answers as to why something like this needs to be out there? Yeah, I can uh, speak to that a little bit that, you know, it's it's really like, I, I hate to keep coming back to the the name of it, uh, the owner's manual, but I think that it's really important for organizations or individuals to know that, th that we have a role in making sure that the Clean Water Act is implemented and that it is being applied correctly. And uh, this, this manual really... Um, really results in important things happening. And like, uh, um, like KB said, uh, that I've used this manual for since I've been doing this work for Healthy Golf for the past 17 years. Mm. One of the first things I ever did with the organization was go to a train the trainers uh, workshop learning about the second edition of this manual. It's required reading for so many of my legal interns that I have. And um, it's, I think the fact that it puts it into plain language but doesn't shy away from the technicality is really where it shines. That because you need something simple to read and to understand, but whenever you're trying to get laws or discharge pollution reduced using the Clean Water Act, you need to know the technicalities. You need to use the correct language and all that if you want to be taken seriously, regretfully. And this manual really does both. So it allows uh, citizens to use it, um, allows uh, legal people to use it, and um, frankly, uh, it probably behoove most uh, uh, state and federal uh, pollution control folks to read it cover to cover too, to make sure they know about the law they're supposed to be implementing. Yeah, as you were as you were talking, Matt, I was thinking of myself. You know, I spent six years working in the Office of Water at EPA, uh, and I learned a ton about the Clean Water Act. I think I, you know, am familiar with a lot of pieces. Um, but man, I would have loved to have read this thing. That would have been extremely helpful at that time. I have still not read it, and that will be my homework assignment after this episode is to is to dive into this thing. I definitely flipped through in preparation, but uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, Matt, that this is something that uh, a lot of people working in water and government uh, should have on their desk 
too. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how it can be used. This is this is the exciting stuff. You, you've mentioned some of this already. Um, getting a, an education in the different pieces of of the law, um, but but what are some of the ways people can kind of roll up their sleeves and actually take this and apply it to their work? Yeah, I think I think the way people have come to this is very, but it's there's a couple of different ways. First is that you know, we have the, um, the different sections of the key Clean Water Act program. So you might come to this and say, you know, I heard my state is about to do a triennial review of their state water quality standards. Like, I need to know what that is, how it works, you know, what are some examples, where do I go to learn more? And sort of, you might come and dive really deep into that. Um, other people might come, right, because you're new to an organization and someone's like, hey, learn about the Clean Water Act, and you sort of skim the entire thing to get an overview of sort of the goals of the act. Like, how does this fit in with other laws? What does it mean? Um, and then the other way that we approach that um, is providing a way for people to come in based on, you know, what is the problem they're trying to solve? That's a way that people often will come in and something like, hey, I need to protect my drinking water source. Um, how does the Clean Water Act interact with that? Are there, you know, are there sections of the law that I can apply here? Where else do I need to go? Um, or if I'm looking at a, a dam, you know, if there's a dam in my community that's causing problems, are there tools within the Clean Water Act that apply? And so I think having that combination of different ways to come into this owner's manual has been really helpful over the years because people can plug in and then, you know, you come back at another time because all of a sudden, you know, you're working on stormwater permitting and you need to learn about how that could fit into the work you're doing and where you're working in the community. Yeah. So like I was comparing it to the owner's manual in your glove box, you can pull it out when you have a specific problem that you need to address, right? Where's that, where's that spare tire? Uh, where's that water, what are water quality standards or how do I change that, that one little taillight thing, right? Uh, so stormwater, let's look into this. So it's very, very like case by case. Um, could you talk about chapter nine a little bit, which is what I found really, really interesting in the way it, you know, kind of goes through those different pieces. Yeah, and then let me, I'll start there and then hand it over to Matt because chapter nine is the problems piece in the existing um, manual that we're looking at today. When the new one comes out, you'll see that sort of the order has been flipped and we've okay. really thought about how to um, increase the, that sort of the, that problem section and really highlight it and also tie it in with some featured communities, which Matt can talk about. Um, so yeah, so I think, so the problem section really in each of those, we try to include um, a short description of the problem. Um, what are the commonly used Clean Water Act sections that might apply to it? So whether you're talking about um, mining, poor forestry practices, um, combined animal feeding operations, sort of where are the overlaps if they exist with the Clean Water Act? Um, so where to go in that? And then in our new version, which is coming out, this is of course online version. So you'll be able to find the links directly to those sources and go right to them. Um, and then it also sort of mentions the other priority laws that you will want to think about when addressing these, uh, the problem that you're coming to the to on thinking about, because of course, Clean Water Act doesn't exist in a vacuum and you want to think about what these overlapping laws, how they work together. And finally, include some agencies and organizations that you also need to know hmm. um, when you're thinking about these problems. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really what this is. You know, the Clean Water Act is, uh, when it comes down to it, it's a tool. And uh, you can only you can only use a tool correctly um, if you know if you've been told how to use it, and uh, also you know like you've heard with 
carpenters, whoever, the right tool for the job. A lot of, sometimes the Clean Water Act isn't the right tool for the job, but a lot of times it is. And so one thing is, you know, we as water advocates and other folks, I mean, this happens in all sectors, is that we end up kind of siloing ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important to show how the Clean Water Act isn't necessarily the answer to anything, but it is a tool to get the results that you want. And um, and one, one thing that this new version does is it focuses on a few case studies and then comes back to those case studies to show like what parts of the Clean Water Act were used and uh, how, how they were used and the results. And I wrote up one of those case studies and that was uh, for we were fighting a coal export terminal um, on the lower Mississippi River in Plaquemines Parish. Parish is what Louisiana's call counties. And uh, we were, after the BP drilling disaster, we were on planes a lot watching pollution. And every time we flew over this coal export facility, there was a plume of black grossness flowing down the Mississippi River from this facility. And we were able to, um, and thanks to a lot of the work that I learned originally from the Clean Water Act uh, owner's manual, is uh, we were able to pull their permits, see if they were permitted to make that discharge, and what their permit said. And it, as it turned out, they weren't even allowed, permitted to discharge into the Mississippi River. They were permitted to discharge into another water body. And even so, they weren't supposed to have any, you know, discoloration or float things floating in it, which obviously they were. Um, and also one of the important things of the Clean Water Act is there is a citizen suit provision, meaning citizens or community advocate organizations can actually sue a polluter under the Clean Water Act if the agency isn't taking action, which they weren't. And through this, we ended up having to file a suit. We ended up settling um, after after suing, and whenever you fly over that facility now, we uh, in our settlement, we got them to have regular cleanups, install some pollution control measures. Uh, regretfully, you know, it's they're still exporting coal, which, you know, getting into the climate side of things, mm. obviously not ideal. Um, but that coal is not polluting the river and it's not polluting a coastal restoration facility uh, activities and projects that are downstream of that, that, uh, that facility. And if we didn't have the Clean Water Act, all of this was done under the Clean Water Act. And um, like I said, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have known what to do if it hadn't been my, with my, for my initial training of the Clean Water Act through the Clean Water Act Owner's Manual. Waterloo. We will return to the conversation in just one minute after a word about our sponsor, Varuna. Water systems are facing more requirements and challenges than ever before and have to stay aware and adapt in real time. Enter Varuna. The dynamic web-based tool helps water utilities to stay resilient by identifying more than two dozen risks that are both internal and external. These include all the typical risks that systems have to deal with and also a variety of newer factors, such as climate change and environmental justice. Not only does Varuna track risks, but it makes recommendations on actions to take and then changes status in response to measures the utility takes. And because public engagement is so important, 
Varuna provides information that can be shared with others, including customers. With Varuna, better data means better decisions. Learn more at varuna.city and let them know you heard about it on Waterloop. Well, that's a great that's a great example of that owner's manual being used to make a difference. Um, are there any other examples? I'm sure you have lots, but just any on your mind to, to point to? Yeah, I think one that comes to mind is um, another one of our advisory committee members and great partners is Rachel Kahn at Amigos Bravos in northern New Mexico. And Rachel's been a longtime clean water leader and um, first joined a training with River Network on the Clean Water Act, I think back in 2003. And at that time, then she started learning more about the Clean Water Act and became a trainer herself and has since just is a, is a like leading expert on the Clean Water Act now. But at that time, she used, worked with a number of community members to um, better protect some waters in New Mexico under the Clean Water Act, under the Tier 3 anti-degradation provisions of the law. Um, and just recently, uh, she told us that She's worked with, continue to work with the coalition, and just this year they've had, they've been able to protect another 179 miles of river and 42 acres of wetlands in the Upper Pecos watershed as outstanding natural um, national resource waters. So this tier three under the Clean Water Act. Mm-hmm. So just sort of an example of a long-standing, um, continual use of the Clean Water Act over time, and starting to work with more and more partners and. And, and continue to share that information throughout the state with some real big benefits. Mm, awesome. Good, good example. Uh, and funny, just side note, both of those examples are in two of my favorite parts of the country. I love Northern New Mexico. I love it down there in, in Southern Louisiana and the Gulf. So good stuff for water there. Um, Matt mentioned inclusion of some case studies in this update, you know, this 50th anniversary edition. Um, Catherine, how else has the owner's manual been updated? Yeah, I think, you know, when we were thinking about the update, the main sort of pieces we were really focusing on and trying to be intentional about is sort of recognizing, of course, any changes in the law and guidance and interpretation that will Mm. will make uh, changes in actual application, but also a real focus on trying to center uh, environmental justice and climate change. And these are things um, that are clearly major pressing issues for us um, as a society. And so understanding that the law was written at a time where those things were not taken into account. And so this version really looks at, hey, how can we take those issues into account? How can the law be flexed in its implementation to better address the inequities we see and enforcement and implementation and thinking about how climate change is affecting our waters. So sort of um, conceptually, I think you'll see that throughout the guide and there are both uh, call out examples of how how the interaction happens, how we might uh, apply it in a way to better address those issues and also icons to sort of highlight that. And so we try to integrate that through instead of making it a separate section because we felt it was very important to center that as part of the overall owner's manual. And so, for example, when we're thinking about climate change and the Clean Water Act, um, in sections we'll, we'll start asking questions about what are the hydrologic um, numbers that people are using when they are reissuing permits? Because now that our stream flows are changing, things are getting drier, wetter. Uh, what does that look like in terms of the pollution levels that should be allowed into a stream? Or how you might cite, for example, a, uh, a stormwater best management practice. And in terms of environmental justice, like many ways that questions to be asked, but certainly for 
public participation and making sure that the, those communities who are most impacted by pollution are actually at the table and the information that they have about their communities is being brought into the process, into the public participation process in a really authentic and meaningful way. Mm. Um, in addition to thinking about pollution exposures when we're actually looking at, at water quality standards and other pieces of the law. Mm. So that's really a key part of it in addition to um, these featured communities which run through and sort of make real some of these issues and how, how these interactions are happening. Oh, that's that's great. The, you know, those climate issues, environmental justice, equity, that stuff is just big, bigger than ever. Uh, and it's interesting to look at how it can be addressed through the Clean Water Act. And, and like you've, you talked about flexing and, and to try to get to those things. That's a, a good concept. I guess you didn't solve the issue of jurisdiction of clean of uh, the Clean Water Act and waters of the U.S., huh? We're... Supreme Court just took that up. I'm sure you know there's going to be more lawsuits and more proposals of l rules, and that that one's a special case. But um, lastly, just a little bonus question for you both: um, How are you feeling on the 50th anniversary of the Clean Water Act? What are your What are your emotions on this on this day, Matt? Uh, well, I mean, like I've since I've been doing this, uh, I've really become a Clean Water Act uh, dork in a lot of ways. <laughs> Um, and you know, I, I get, get into the, the minutia quite a bit. Um, and you know, I think that, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to see things move forward and, uh, the clean water act has done amazing things. It's, it's a uh, clean, you know, you, we have the classic Cuyahoga river caching on fire as being one of the impetuses of, of, of the development of the clean water act. And we aren't seeing those kinds of pollution events um, as normal anymore. Thanks, and that's thanks to the Clean Water Act. Mm. And that's really amazing to see that all of these uh, dischargers, all these polluters, are to held held to a certain standard. Um, and that being said, a lot of these pollution limits, um, for example, we haven't significantly changed our uh, what we consider best treatment technology for sewage treatment plants since 1985 hmm. and it's uh you know 40 years ago or so if i'm doing my math right um and technology has improved and so i th and then there's these new new things that are coming out like the uh pfas all of these uh forever chemicals um plastics a uh, hmm. bunch of other things that you know, there's questions about whether they're regulated under the Clean Water Act. So I think that this is also an exciting time to make, get the uh, Clean Water Act to be um, just to catch up to what the issues are now to make sure it continues to be a really valuable tool and a changing tool as we move forward. Yeah, good, good points and thoughts. Catherine, what, what are your feelings as we sit here on the 50th anniversary? Yeah, I think, you know, at River Network, we're really feeling re-energized because having been able to go through this process and think about, hey, where have we been with this resource and the law and seeing all the advocates who have learned um, over the years and, and gone out and applied it in ways we never anticipated and then thinking about the updates has been exciting. And I really, you know, want to note, too, that we worked closely with this advisory committee, which is made up of a number of organizations, including Matt and others, who came together and helped us think through, you know, brought different experiences to what we need to include in the resource, in the Clean Water Owner's Manual this time. And we also got to work with Gail Killam, uh, who's one of the original authors um, on this as well. 
And so through that process, it's just been, I think, um, I mean, energizing the best way I can think of it is just like everyone coming together to, to make this a better next version that can really help and thinking about the future of the next generation of advocates who can use this and take it to the next level ways that, you know, will, will far exceed all of our expectations to create this sort of network of people really just achieving clean water and healthy, resilient communities across the country. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Awesome. All right. Well, Clean Waters Act owners, owner's manual, uh, definitely encourage people just Google that. It'll come right up. Go to the River Network site. You can find it. Catherine, Matt, thank you both very much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you. Great to be here. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and thank you to this episode's sponsor, Varuna. You can go to waterloop.org to find all episodes, sign up for email updates, connect on social media, and check out the latest conversations about water solutions. Waterloop, Waterloop, Waterloop.